So I love my story. I love the fact that I can get to share this part of my story because most people only, they get to know me now and they see the success now, but they don't know the pain, the hardship, the struggle in this journey to getting to where I am. I had to do, when I started my business, there was no customers. I needed to find a way to drive customers into my store. And the only way I could do this was giving myself off for free. So I'd like to say that I, I created an industry within an industry. I mean, in the trillion dollar industry, brows dominate over billion rands. There are customers everywhere. You just need to find a solution to their problem. I have two problems in my business. Either you have too much eyebrows or you have too little eyebrows. And in serving both of those problems, you're going to have rejection. And you cannot fear rejection because rejection is leading you into a different direction. Of course, it's a science. It's a science. 100%. And that passion meets science creates a wonderful experience. Correct. So let's face it, I'm a beauty therapist. I was trained to be beauty, to do beauty. They don't teach you business management. I mean, I got married in community of property. And unfortunately, because of that lack of knowledge and the lack of understanding of what a contract could do long term, I lost my business. Yes, guys, there is a giveaway in this video. Stay till the end of this video to see the challenge, the question that Browse by Naser has asked you guys and stand a chance to win something incredible. Check it out at the end of this video. Hey guys, this is Money Talks, I'm Nabil Khan and today we have the Unaza Suleiman. Your, your story through the last nine years starting from scratch and creating an unparalleled brand and position in the brow industry through Unique Brows, Unique IV and Unique by Unaza. She's inspired and empowered many young females and continues to shine as a businesswoman and single mother. I'm so excited to get into this. When you were growing up, did you ever imagine owning 10 franchises in the beauty and wellness industry? No, nothing. Not for sure. Like, I, I thought I'm going to become an air hostess. Honestly, an air yes. hostess? Yes. And is that from the passion to travel the world? That's exactly it. And you travel the world today? I do. I wish I could travel a lot more, but, um, you know, being an entrepreneur, you're limited with your time. Absolutely. Um, but there is that vision, you know, work hard and in December, party hard. So. <laughs> True to the passions of a very passionate woman. We spent a lot of time here and she has such an incredible story. Let's get straight into it, Go right? Uh, Neza, nine years ago was this change, right? And gave birth to, as most startups do, an idea that led to a business. And like most startups, what happened with, uh, with that very first business? Uh, the balloon popped. I, I had all these big dreams and this idea that I'm going to be running the successful business and I opened my doors and there were no customers. And Which I, is a very real thing. It's a real thing because everybody comes and drinks your, your wine and eats your cheese and then they run away and then <laughs> there's no customers. <laughs> and this is kind of the challenges every entrepreneur faces, right? That's why 90% or I'm sure that stat is higher of businesses, startups fail. And it's because of a lot of key factors, the, the perseverance, the vision, and a whole lot of things. What was it about you that took that space where you could have easily ran back to corporate, the safety net of a job? What, what, what is going through your mind and what did you do? I think I'd had 
a bit typical Indian mindset that I need to be in business of my own. My father's in business, my brother's in business, my mother was in business. I needed a business of my own, whatever it was. I needed to be have um, to figure out the way to become an entrepreneur so I could have financial freedom, freedom with my time. Because that's what you think, right? You can start a business and you're going to work your own hours. You're the boss, you'll get there when you want to. Lo and behold, you're the first one at the store and you're the last one to leave and there's no time off. And it doesn't stop there, because when you get home, you're busy with your children and then get them to bed and then it's time to get onto the emails and strategize. And this is a misconception, right? I mean, how, many, uh, how often do you come across this, right? Is, especially your female entrepreneurs and the pressure of motherhood, the pressure of life and the, the esteemed duties that women have within their role in, in, in the household, in life, in corporate, in everything that the world's societal perspectives are playing on it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure. And do you find that, that females succumb a lot easier as entrepreneurs, like it's a wonderful step? What's your take on all of that? It's a, it's a question that I hold very close to my heart. It's very challenging being an Indian Muslim female, successful entrepreneur. Um, I, you have to break many glass ceilings. You have to, you've got to shatter that roof and you have to break that stigma that you can be an entrepreneur, you can be a mother, you can be a cook and you can, you can take your children to school and you can serve all facets of your life successfully. And you know there's this misconception that if one part of your business is or one part of your life is thriving, the other one is going to fail. And that is so incorrect. Untrue and true to the core. And you know, this is exactly in, in the journey to financial freedom to the viewers of this channel. I mean, uh, living life on your own terms is completely in your control. Yes. It's definitely not easy, right? And uh, coming back to not easy, this business of yours that you started and was failing, there was a, there's a turnaround that happened before you started actually become, making money, becoming profitable and the growth uh, into the future. What did you specifically do? Because I, I think that is incredible in, 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 in your perspective. Please share that with us. So I love my story. I love the fact that I can get to share this part of my story because most people only, they get to know me now and they see the success now, but they don't know the pain, the hardship, the struggle in this journey to getting to where I am. And I had to do, when I started my business, there was no customers. I needed to find a way to drive customers into my store. And the only way I could do this was giving myself off for free. And I offered free brows every weekend on a market. And there was a catch. If you wanted your eyebrows done by me and you didn't know what threading was, and this was, I mean, almost 10, 11 years ago, nine years ago. And um, you had to walk through my premises to see my beautiful establishment. Mm. And, in that I managed to turn around these clients. But it was not about the brows, it was about the giving, the free. 100%. I needed to give to get back. And you know, that's a very popular trend in thought uh, amongst your influencers these days, especially around success. But that actually is OG, old school entrepreneurship. Go and give it out, lay it all out on the line and prove that value. And, and, and then thereafter, there was a lot of word of mouth, I'm assuming, right? Yes, and, yes. And, and you did such an amazing job. I mean, I, why am I telling it? Just take us through that story because a lot of people watching this 
sometimes think it's a wall and there's another wall and then there's impossible and there's the fear and the safety net of this corporate job and that can lead to all sorts of anxieties, mental blocks and so on but it's so possible, you know, uh, say it exactly how it happened. I mean, you, you had this, this free market, right? And it was a, a time when brows were not popular. It was an industry that wasn't even... Yeah. Take it from there. So I'd like to say that I, I created an industry within an industry. I mean, in the trillion dollar industry, brows dominate over billion rands when it comes to this market, right? And in South Africa, no one tapped into this market. So I created this market. I created this niche. But it just didn't happen overnight. The amount of work and effort, time, and the free, I think I've given thousands of eyebrows for free to build my business, to build my name. It's the law of seven, where the client has to see your name or your, your brand seven times. Sometimes. So they saw me for free, then they saw me on the magazine, then they saw me in a radio article or radio interview on an article, social media. Social media is great, but back then we didn't have social media. 100%. It was guerrilla warfare. You had to go and find the client. Your picture was in the Get It magazine because you were a socialite of that, you know, doing free brows, or you did a free pop-up, whatever it is. But in business, and I mean, we're talking business now, your client's not gonna come to you. That's just a given. You have to go and find that client. You have to drag that client into your store. There needs to be a call to action. Why would that client come to you? You're going to an event, we do corporate wellness. We do brows for free on wellness days, Alexander Forbes, Discovery, NetBank, whatever. And it's because they've had that one experience, because it's an experience, they come back. But it's the second time, okay, you can have a voucher and come back at half the price, because it's a call to action. Because it's one is not enough, it's, it's hard. You've got to be aggressive. And the second time, they have it done at half the price. And the third time, it's free. So ideally, to answer your question, when I walk through this journey of giving free brows on the market, word of mouth spread. People got to know about me doing eyebrows in Krugersdorp. I mean, who the hell goes to Krugersdorp? Mm. No offense to <laughs> my Azadal friends. But um, it's, it's far. You need to take a visa to get. You need, to, you need a passport there. And um, I created a market in an, in an untapped market. And this is the thing about business. There are customers everywhere. You just need to find a solution to their problem. I have two problems in my business. Either you have too much eyebrows or you have too little eyebrows. And I'm serving both of those problems. So whatever business someone's starting, they need to identify who is their client, what can they do. For example, if you're doing pedicures, for example, mm -hmm. I'm just going to give a, a run of the mill example. What are you serving? You're not giving them pretty toes. You're serving hard crack heels and ugly feet and corns and whatever it is. But that's the, that's the way you're going to strategize. If I was doing that, strategize my business, that I will give you smooth feet and not scurf feet. I don't know the thing you're going to say no, on no, TV, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I, I'm assuming that that's how I, I strategize my business. It was two problems. The white ladies had no, no eyebrows. They were too blonde and too light, and the black ladies, or the, the, the ethnic market, don't have eyebrows. So I'm giving you eyebrows. So we actually, we, we're working with two different, like, problems and we have the solutions to this yeah and, and of course throughout your story this led to empowerment employment you okay. know and empowering the young ladies but in between that from the time where you started giving value for free i believe you scaled the business a lot faster and uh, you opened up then your first store in 
a kiosk in a mall yes. and got denied that. Yes. So another problem in business. How did you get over that? I love that story. Okay, so I think in business there's always going to be stumbling blocks. You're going to, you're going to have rejection and you cannot fear rejection because rejection is leading you into a different direction. And you know, if you have faith and you believe that if one door close, closes, another door is going to open, destiny denied is not destiny delayed. And it's an opportunity. And right? it's an opportunity. Because continuous rejection allows you to be more persistent. And if and anyone knows <laughs> me, you can't tell me no. If you're going to say no, I'm going to find a way to figure this out. I mean, with Vodacom as well, mm -hmm. it took me three years to get into Vodacom World. But with Clearwater, they said they don't like this concept. They didn't like my idea. And I was like, no, you don't know my business. How can you not like something you don't know? I barged into their offices and I took my cotton and I whipped it out and I was like, I'm just going to thread all of you. And they were like, what? Because they didn't know what threading was at that time. And I said, well, this is what it is. It's cotton and we remove your hairs and we shape it and we, we started the first mapping, which was, you know, we've evolved. I have evolved so much with my mapping and my designing on brows. But it was a simple thing where I was like, we just don't thread. We just, we, we map your eyebrows. And they love that. And from there on, they were excited about this journey of having the first brow kiosk in SA because if you're the first, you are like the, the they want to be that mall that's doing first things first and they're beating all the other malls in the area in Johannesburg because it is a competitive market with the malls as well. And um, we opened up the kiosk, it was 16 square meters, two chairs. And at that time, I didn't realize I started a woman empowerment program. How? So, Currently, I, I train young girls who mm -hmm. have no qualification in eyebrows, have never touched an eyebrow. I pay them in the time that they're training with me. Mm -hmm. It's a true skills development program. We give them tools, we give them the kits, and they practice in my stores. And they learn and they, they go through a four to five month um, program of, of mastering the brow philosophy and they write exams. And so we have different levels. So I, they start off on hygiene and you know, uh, introductory to eyebrows. So they need to know what's the muscles doing, how does it affect, before they can even shape of an eyebrow. Of course, it's a science. It's a science. 100%. It's and that passion meets science creates a wonderful experience. Correct. And at the time, right, uh, you were going, you, you started this development program. Yes. Uh, from the very beginning, yes. as soon as you started opening kiosks, because you, you, you are a mum, you had to be two places at once, right. different stores. And... Uh, at the time, this, this came from a necessity of where do you find, I mean, as entrepreneurs face, right? Yes. Costs, cutting costs. Yes. And, and hiring staff is always a, 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 a last, last resort, even though it's, it's hindering your scale. What, what went through your mind and how, I find it wonderful how you transition that into. So I had to, I hate to use the word cheap labor, but I needed that. I needed girls that I could afford in this new brand that it was a baby. I didn't know whether I was going to make money or not. Um, it was just an idea. Mm -hmm. And so to cut costs, I, I hired these girls with no skill and I trained them. And that's how it evolved. And little did I know that that was my empowerment program that would become such a big part of my business and my success. It's not the amount of stores that are open. It's the amount of how many lives and households Absolutely. I've influenced and affected. See, it's just so crazy how, you know, we, we, we look back and uh, all these difficulties and hardships, uh, you look back and say these are opportunities, but yes. at the time it might seem like... 
you were, you're in a state of panic. What do I do? How am I going to, to I can't be in two places at once, like you said. And um, I needed to make a decision and it was a tough one because those stumbling blocks were hard at the time. I, I cried many days of how am I going to do this? I was giving birth. My, my son was a baby and I needed to, to be at the store and he was, he was little and we were in a kiosk. There was no place to breastfeed him. I took, it was struggles and these were the hard, hard days of my life. And where, where, would you, where did you find the motivation? What is your source of motivation? I mean, yeah, it's nice to, to know that there's a way out and anyone can push through. But there is something deep inside you. What is yours? What is Uneza's source of motivation? So there's, I think there's three things that um, motivates me. And the first thing is I, I have a, prove, a point to prove, whether it's to myself or to my family, but I need to point, prove this point, that I am very capable of doing this. Because when I started this business and I said to people, I'm going to be doing brows, and they were like, who does brows for a living? Like, that doesn't even make sense. You're not going to make money out of this. So I needed to prove this point that I have an idea and I'm going to make this a business. I didn't realize at that time that it would be this greater scale, but I had to prove the point. Secondly, the other motivation is that I have these children and I am their mom and I need to show them that if I can do it, if I can believe in my dream, you can do this as well. And the third reason that I want to motivate, what, what motivates me is that I like nice things, <laughs> you know, I, I, I like those fancy stuff and I, and there is financial freedom, definitely, there is freedom of my time, I mean, I, there are days if I need to take a day off, I can, I don't, need, I don't like the accountability to a boss, but um, it's the reason that I, I'm here in business is to make money. Right, right, and that's, that's, sometimes it's misunderstood that, and, and this is a very big taboo thing, it's a, it's a mindset with money that, uh, being rich is evil, rich people are evil, or, or, or you know, wanting nice things is a very selfish and bad thing. No, we're human beings, and, and when it comes to these things, you're, you're absolutely 100% on the spot. Is, is you just get real with yourself. Make the difference. You don't have to, it, it just always isn't evil corporate. You're exploring a passion. And now, Renéza, you have an incredible social media following. You are an influencer, let's be serious. No, I don't agree You're with you. You're definitely an influencer. No, 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 no. <laughs> I influence people. I'm influential on my client. I'm not an influencer. That's what all influencers are. No! <laughs> no, I'm not an influencer, please. I do not do things where I get stuff and get no, to course. blog about it. So, 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 so we are... We, we <laughs> I am teasing. I find that so like <laughs> condescending to say that. Okay, then my apologies. Okay. However, right. However, <laughs> you you have created a substantial brand. Right. Right. And sometimes you get, especially the younger uh, budding entrepreneurs, startups that follow successful businesswomen with influence. And and kind of go this. It's the influence because you are an OG. On, on Instagram, you, 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 you were one of the first. What does OG stand for? Original gangster. Oh, <laughs> oh that's so dope. Gangster. <laughs> okay. And that, that, that started along the lines uh, after you started your business, right? And it was a, a byproduct of marketing? Yes. How, how did it all pan out from Instagram to what we know today as an influencer? Okay. So as a celebrity brow specialist <laughs> um, that services I mean, all your big media personalities. Um, 
these are accolades that you know we can add to our CV. But how did we get to that? Mm. It's not easy. Um, it happened by chance. It was one of my clients, and it was early in the years when Instagram just started. I mean, we only used Instagram for like simple pictures. We didn't mm. think of it as a marketing tool. And she came to me, and she only had like forty-five thousand followers. But at that time, it was huge. It was huge. Yeah. And she said to me, um, and she used the tactic of me that I use on everyone. I'll give you social media presence for free and I can show you what I'm going to do. And she did that. And I mean, we sold 10 of our brow kits, which were valued at a grand. There was 10,000 rand that we got in for this one post. And I was like, hey, hang on, we're onto something. And she was like, there is so much more to this. Pay me a retainer for six months, sign an SLA, and I will grow your business. And that is what she did. So the brow buy that time, didn't grow because we just did good brows. It grew because we had a strong influence um, selling our services to the right target, to the right market. So this is classic marketing of the time, right? And whatever there is as an opportunity to market your brand in today, it's just another cost. I mean, that's how we are looking at it these days. Tough economy. Um, yes, it hasn't been easier to start businesses than it has ever been in the past, uh, than it is today. But you've got your, your startup saying, I don't want to spend money on myself, on marketing, on all of these things. Is that a mindset that you just had to get over? Or the deep understanding of how you saw your brand and the possibilities in relation to how much money you spend within your business towards your brand and the attention that you give that? That, that you know, you, you might say it comes naturally to you, or does it? No. It's raw, it's uncut, it's like, you don't have the budget spend. You're starting up a kiosk on a credit card of 50,000 then. You don't have that kind of money. You, I mean, I love the fact that we had mass marketing where you could sell vouchers mm -hmm. online at half the price. And um, I did that. I did this, um, we sold 17,000 then worth of vouchers, but that was like 200 clients or something that bought into this at half the price. I didn't have, the, the point is I didn't have the marketing spend to pay a social media at the time when I started. I had to find any opportunity to get free advertorial, free advertising. Mm. I used the, the mall, we could give out flyers because we were based in the mall, we could go to the car park. Um, so they advertised us because Facebook was big at that time on their Facebook pages. It's not a mindset. It's something you're not born with. Is that you're not social media? I'm going to spend this much of it. It's just putting in the work. It's it's it, you evolve. It's your business. It's your business. Hundred percent. I didn't think I would become a brand. But now let's take financial management, right? Or, or taking account because especially in these times, you might spend on credit. Uh, anything that you've got to do, yes, leverage the free. But at some point along this journey, as a leader in the organization, driving the business, building your perspective. Um, did you feel the need and what did you do to, 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 to fulfill that need um, in growing yourself to, to take this business further? So let's face it, I'm a beauty therapist. I was trained to be beauty, to do beauty. They don't teach you business management. Yeah. They touch on it on a small scale, but nobody teaches you to read a financial statement and do income and expenses and profit and losses. And I lost a lot of money in my business because I, I didn't understand my business, that I was overpaying staff, I had a very high cost, I wasn't making target. I didn't even know what was the break-even point in my business 
or the running cost per minute. I didn't understand what mm. BI was, you know, like capturing um, clients' details and things like that. I didn't know this. So as my business developed, I realized there is a lack and there's a need for this. And if I'm not going to empower myself, because yes, there are accountants and whatever it is, but you get to the accountant after you've made all the bad mistakes and he's like, you're in the red. 100%. So I needed to learn this. And I went and I did a... Um, a business management course mm -hmm. for beauty therapists and understanding how to deal with stuff, how to track my marketing um, campaigns, how to, to work with contracts, for example, how to do an income and expenses statement. Like it, it empowered me and the knowledge that I gained from this is actually what propelled my business to grow because then I, I had the confidence because it was the lack of knowledge that, that leads to the lack of confidence for growth because I was failing. Mm -hmm. And as I empowered myself and I got this knowledge and I understood my business and I understood what are my profit margins and what is, you know, little, these things are huge in the business. And as I understood this, this is when my business took its massive leap because now I knew I'm going to sell this business, I'm going to pitch this business to a franchisee and I'm going to say to them, this is your running cost per minute, this are your trends, these are your marketing budgets. I know the, 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 the value in self-investing in a business management course, whatever field it may be, it's, not, it's important. No, absolutely. I mean, we see this uh, in, as in financial planning. I mean, especially your professionals, your doctors, lawyers, they're taught to practice a specific skill, a profession, uh, to follow a set of rules and give advice and so on. But how many accountants have there are self-employed? Right. Law firms. And where was all this born out of? It was not taught in law school. Yes or financial planning school. And this is a real thing for any service professional. I mean, you, you started off saying you, you're a humble uh, beauty therapist. <laughs> but absolutely, you're getting into it, you have to develop your mind. And, and I love that you've had that take on it. And there was a point in it where you realized it can unlock the next level, and it did. Yes. But I also believe that there was then a massive failure in terms of also a lack of understanding perspective in, in, in how you almost lost, lost your business, right? Well, I lost it. You, you absolutely lost, lost it. I lost it, yeah. And that was, that was fairly recently, right? Yeah. So it was quite tragic, um, I think, because as I'm going to be, I'm going to generalize here, yeah. but as Muslim girls, we, we're very submissive. And we, we follow the old school that you get married, you, you sit at home and whether you start a business, your husband is the leader and he's the dominator in the you business. You'd be surprised this is in all cultures, hey? Okay. I mean, uh, it's, it's, you go, girl, continue. He, whatever he says goes. Yeah. And we forget that what is a nikah? What is nikah? Nikah is a contract. Do we ever put contracts together to say, this is what I want, this are my needs. Um, if I start a business, am I going to be owning my business? I mean, I got married in community of property. And unfortunately, because of that lack of knowledge and the lack of understanding of what a contract could do long term, I lost my business. I lost the brow bar completely. I had no business. So, I mean, this talks to uh, always encourage. This is what I always encourage is the more you speak about money in the household and, and not specifically we're going to talk about money, but the more you speak, the more you share, yes. the more you open about, uh, I mean, marriage, a nikah, a contract, however you name it, in whatever culture, is still two individuals as a team. Yes. I mean, that's how I've always seen it, right? And uh, for those of you that don't understand community of property, 
means basically, as per the contract, whatever everyone owns is split 50-50. Yeah. Uh, and without understanding that, the repercussions, not only in, in, in the negative situations, is also if the business incurs debts, your spouse is at risk. So the more we talk about these things, the more we can have healthier relationships, firstly, mm. and be better business owners, or whatever it might be, corporate, and live better, more financially free lives. Now, back to, <laughs> back to the story. How did you overcome this? Earlier on, you said I, I have resilience. And what motivates me is I've got these two little human, human beings with two heartbeats that I have to feed as a single mother. Yeah. I need to get them to a private school. They have needs. And I cannot allow them to suffer at the hands of two adults. And I just thought, well, I am mm. going to do this. I'm going to put my big girl panties on. If I could do it once, I can do it again. But this time, I'm doing it with the lessons. I have the textbook on what not to do. School of life. I've been through the school of life and I've paid some expensive school fees. And I'm grateful for that because I've, I've come out with cum laude. <laughs> so on what not to do. <laughs> so that has been the journey and I love it because when I copied and pasted my, my business model, I did it with such elegance and it was seamless. No How do you describe your business philosophy? So I always say that my, my, you know, it's a passion meets success, but it's passion. I am passionate <laughs> for, not for brows, I am passionate about people. There are times when I'm like, I'm not peopling today, but I have a passion for people because people make our wheels in our business turn. So my business philosophy is anything that you do, do it with utmost perfection and do less. Less in your business leads to more. So I'm very streamlined. I only do brows and lashes. That's it. And by nature of your story, I mean, we're seeing this pop up in the beginning of your business in getting your kiosk off the ground. Um, and, and common themes in, in, I'd say, is part of your philosophy, is one of your values, is uh, your ability to give, to give value and create that experience based on your internal values. You can't take no for an answer. And you push through. I mean, I find that incredibly inspiring. If I have to repeat it in, in how I understand it. Thank you, Neza. Um, so we've got an audience watching here, more so your followers. Hi, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you're looking at those young entrepreneurs, male, female, anyone. I mean, and, and not even young entrepreneurs can. Uh, you, you birth that idea and push through and make a difference in the current economy. What a better time than to, than to be entrepreneurial. What would your advice be to people watching? to go out and get it based on how you see the world today? So I started my business in the midst of a recession in 2009. And I believe that an um, economic status mm -hmm. does not define your financial status. Um, if you have a dream and you have this belief that you can do something, you have to cut out the noise. You've got to keep this vision. You're going to go through some hard doors many closed doors, but it's persevering and going through and fulfilling this, just keeping ahead of it. You know what's your vision, having a clear vision, it's key. You can't be saturating your brand and be doing all sorts of things. It's having a clear cut vision and working towards that and working with a goal. I mean, in the beginning of the year, I start with my roadmap. 
What are my ambitions? What are my dreams? What are my key things that I'm going to be planning this year? Okay, I'm going to read more Quran. I'm going to spend more time with my children. I'm going to travel more. I'm going to study more. Where am I growing? What are the five areas that I've identified that I'm going to tap into? Yes, it's not cast in stone. I mean, sentence that he came up when I least expected it, but it was part of my expansion plan, and I, I budgeted for this expansion. 100%. And I don't mean financial budgeting, which I know it's important for you, but time. How am I going to allocate my time? Okay, in, in this year, I'm going to do five stores. These are where I'm going to be placing my time. And I could plan, I planned my year, and I know exactly where I'm going with my time. And that gives you the ability to know exactly what's going on at all points in time. You don't get the, uh, I'm going to think about it. No. There are times when people have come to me and said to me, we'd like to open up a franchise, and I said, you have to wait. It's not going to happen in this year. I'm so sorry. We can come through next year. We can keep you on record. You can secure your space for next year. But I'm not taking off more. I'm not biting off more than I can chew. And this is something I'd like to say, and it's a very valuable lesson to your followers, my followers, and whoever's watching this, that don't grow fast. Because the faster you grow, the faster you're going to fall. It's slow and steady. Yes, I grew in a year to 10 franchises, but I had nine years behind me. So you can't actually call that a one-year growth, right? It's not fair. It wasn't organic, but it wasn't true. If you're going to grow, you have to grow slowly, steadily, because that's when you are a consistent business where you show that you are, your, your stream, your, you are, what's the word I'm looking for? You're a stable business. And people want that. They want to affiliate you with you if you're stable. You're showing that, you know, um, you, you, you can make it through the hard times. You're resilient. Your business, myself, my core values, it all, it's all interlinked, interlinked. And obviously, I mean, you, you going into franchising, uh, you are a people's person, business is about people. We're in an entire new decade, a decade that's famously right in front of our eyes, all about collaboration because yeah. everything's moving so fast. Costs are going to run high if you. Um, how do you see the next 10 years, especially in your, your field, brows? So my brow business is going to, it's, it's purely with collaboration. I, like you said, it's, it's the way to go. There is enough sunshine for the whole world. You have to give to get. You have to partner up with other business industries. I mean, I am in other spas and businesses where I'm just a little brand within a big brand, but we're collaborating, we're feeding off each other because what I'm doing is of no um, conflict to them and what they maybe had a small percentage of eyebrows, which they now send all the clients to me. It's a healthy working relationship, Absolutely. Right? I mean, we find these days a lot of people, I mean, firstly, how do you, how do you pick the right business partner? I mean, there's so many things that could go wrong. And if you, if you think about it, the way you describe it, seems so seamless and simple. So brand association is, is key and critical. I'm not going to go into a spa that does not have a media presence, that does not have quality. They don't align themselves with my philosophies, my key attributes as a business. Um, so even with the power of collaboration, sometimes you have to say no. I'm so sorry, I really can't. Not because they not because your brand doesn't see the value in it, because it needs to be a partnership. It's a two-way street. 100%. Sometimes people want to align and collaborate with me because they are tapping into my market. And I've learned now to see things through a different eye. I've been burnt and I've learned my lessons, but it's not all bad. You know, you're going to make these mistakes. You're going to learn and you're going to, 
you're gonna fail. It's just part of it's part of business. If you don't fail, when something fails, I mean something failed just the other day in my business, and I was like, you know, this is actually a good thing. What was the lesson from this? And so the power of collaboration with big brands. I mean, I, I work with some really big um, businesses, the corporates that we align ourselves with, and uh, it works. And you know, with technology, who is your client? I mean, my daughter is my client. I'm 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 so key. And focusing my business around the teens because they are my so future next generation. clients. That's the next generation. Gen Zs are a different mindset altogether. They are hip and happening, and they have freedom—freedom freedom that we didn't have to express themselves. I mean, the world is getting is actually a better place, contrary to all the negative news. I think our children have such a beautiful—they're in such a beautiful era with the way they're living. I mean, they are just not. There's no limitations for them. So how would, how would you how are you currently? And I've, I've seen this in the time we spent together, but I'd like you to explain it in your, in your perspective through your eyes uh, of how you're raising your children. Are you raising them to do the standard university? I mean, what's your take on that? So I raise my children with an iron fist, unfortunately. I'm still old school. I'm that mother. I, I love and I dote over my children. I'm that kissing, cuddly mother. But <laughs> I'm sorry, there is limits. And that's it. Um, I control everything with my my children. My my son doesn't have a cell phone. My daughter, I will. There is. I am on that phone. I need to know what's happening in her life. But at the same time, there's an element of trust. Of course, and you involve her. I mean, she's here with us yes, today. Yes, she's right. very part of my business, and I, I've created. I've taken. A, we did a shoot the other day. She's going to become the face of Teens Brows. Um, she is. She's going to carry my legacy as much as she says she doesn't want to. <laughs> but I keep teaching her about, Mom, what am I going to become? You're going to study business management, Maya. You're going to study whatever you want to study because Mom wanted to be a, a hostess. But look where I am now. I'm living my best life. I suppose we can't control the we outcome. Can't. But we can, I mean, uh, plant something that seeds. I'd share. Plant the seeds, teach them to make good decisions. But I'm hard on them. But they also know that it comes from a good place. Because if I clap them, they know they're going to run. <laughs> Mom, when they know mom is coming for them. But, but at the same time, I am her best friend. We share the same fashion style, you know, clothes, shoes, shoe size. She must know that she can come to me with any problem. That door of communication is open at all times. Mia, if there's a boy, tell me. I need to know. It was Valentine's. Mia, do you want me to buy you some chocolates? Do you want to give a boy? So she must know that I'm open to it, but there's also boundaries because raising children in today's day and age is hard. No, of course. It's, it's <laughs> Jurassic Park. I'm like, it's not easy. It's not easy. But we're doing a great job as far as we can in this, in this generation. I mean, we, we're not that old, but we're, we're adapting. No, but of course, I mean, think about your lifestyle. Uh, running so many businesses, franchising to all of these, being a mother, being present as yes. a mother, which is already a feat in itself. Uh, I mean, what type of blessing would you say the nature of how you're doing business today, uh, completely different from set up a corporate structure, go to work, family yeah. doesn't see you. I mean, this is the future right in front of us. And, and what's the importance of everyone waking up, starting to get a better digital presence and uh, taking this future one step forward at a time, but really attacking it aggressively, and, and in relation to the quality of life that's possible. What's the sentiment that you have out of there? There is a, there's great value in the social media presence, but it's quality over quantity. 
um, everyone's just exposing everything and people get bored. People want, want good content. They want to see what's new. So staying abreast with what's, you know, the latest trends. TikTok is now the big thing, you know, all these mummies are TikToking, which is nice. Um, it's refreshing to see that they're also embracing their own sense of style, but it's not going to last for very long. And nothing in this, in this, in this time lasts for the, so I always call it riding the wave. Mm -hmm. And when the wave hits, you've got to ride that wave because nobody wants to see the old way of doing things. People want to see what's new. And it's, it's the quality. It's, it's spending time on your footage. What sort of things are you placing on, on social media? Um, certain things like people don't want you to, to see negative posts. And, you know, if someone's having a fight and they, uh, this person is that and mm. playing this third party conversation on Instagram about such and such, you know, Bill did this and <laughs> Bill needs to, you know, um, we don't want this. We don't want that. And people don't want to see that. They're all about positivity. And, and there's a mind shift where women are empowering women. The females are standing for each other greatly, which didn't happen a decade ago. But do you know, as of today, females have officially dominated the workforce? Absolutely. I mean, no, the stat is 54%. I ran my Girl Boss Thursdays, mm -hmm. and I didn't think it was going to be something this lucrative. And when I say lucrative, this successful. I don't mm -hmm. get any money from it. But I empower other women and I just advertise them. And it's people. And it's people. And they love it. And I, on a Wednesday night, I get this post and I'm like, oh my God, it's Thursday already. Like, how did this week go by so fast? People wait for Thursday so that they're getting free advertising and marketing. In turn, my brand is growing. No, I didn't expect that. But and it that was talks a back to your ph philosophy. Free. I mean, I would have expected it. <laughs> it's it, absolutely, it's more value. and And... I mean, you're doing it on multiple platforms. It's incredible. How long, I'm interested to know, do you think is an Instagram wave? I think we've got a good long, we've got some about another decade to go before something else comes out because technology, technology is changing so far. So, I mean, I said to my daughter, Omeya, you need to go and study and become a tech scientist. She's like, what? I'm like, that's the future. It's not the boys that are doing technology. You need to go and be in technology as well. So gauging from what I've learned recently at the Forbes um, African Women's Summit, there's a lot that's going to happen in our, in our social pre, uh, scene and the changes. Instagram um, videos are definitely the way. People are not looking at pictures anymore. It's, it's videos and um, that's where most of the money is being spent now on videos and lives and... Absolutely. I mean, video is the platform to send out your message and at the same time display your brand, your personality and put it out there with any type of spin from any type of content. It's absolutely the future. I mean, uh, challenging big TV networks all the way down to... Uh, but thank you very much for that perspective, Vanessa. I, I must say I thoroughly enjoyed this chat. Thank you for just being you. One question. What is your favorite thing about Money Talks? Wow. There's a lot of things that I love about Money Talks. I mean, you're, you're, you're opening up a platform for so many male and females in business and the hardships and the challenges that we face and you know, how we've accomplished. And there's so much that I've learned from watching Money Talks in the past. I can't say that there's one particular um, video that I enjoy the most. There's, there's a lot that we can take out of it if you take out one good thing from each video. 
Um, so yeah, there's a lot that I love about Money Talks and there's a lot that I love about eyebrows. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, but for the Go love for of it. brows and for the love of money, <laughs> um, I mean, we've got to respect this money, you know. Um, I would like to maybe give it, do a giveaway. Am I allowed to? You are absolutely okay, allowed to. So Guys, get excited, let it run. I'm excited to hear so about this. So I'm giving a, a, a brow, well, I'm going to do, I'm going to give away um, brows for a year to one lucky viewer. A year? Yes. So I want to do a giveaway for um, brows for a year, where one lucky viewer can win brows for a year. But all they need to do is follow Money Talks as well as Uneza Essay. So I'm going to follow my personal page. <laughs> and you need to answer this following question is, what is the purpose of your arches on your eyebrows? What is the purpose of your arches on your eyebrows? And to I smolder. Say you've got very nice eyebrows. Thank you very much. I think you did them for me. <laughs> did you go and have them done? Um, yeah, am I allowed to I say this on it? <laughs> <laughs> If I were to get it done, Renee, I would have come to the brow specialist. Okay, great. So you're basically saying you were born like this? Full natural. Oh, wow. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, guys, thanks for watching. Hit that subscribe button and click on the bell icon so you never miss a video. Thank you very much again to Renee for brows for a year. That's incredible. And I'll catch you guys in the next one.